um, my Club 58, fifth through eighth, you're going to hang with us because you have an important part to play. So just hold on. This is Psalm 78. O oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we've heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his mighty power and wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to our children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. And they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to the Lord. God, we thank you this morning for your heart, for your children, that we would come and rest in front of you, Lord, and hear your heart as a father to his kids this morning, and that you would pour out your spirit this morning through these words, through the things you've put in my heart, Lord. I pray that they would land with your accuracy, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I have water right there. That's mine. It's glass. If I drop it, help. <laughs> um, good morning, you guys. I'm so excited to be able to share uh, what I feel like the Lord's putting on our heart, my heart, Mike's heart, so many of um, the leadership team here this morning. And you know I like to talk to you, and I like for you to talk to me. It's more fun that way, and we all learn a little bit more, um, and it's really fun to see your faces. So good morning. There we go. Okay, that's good. Um, so I get to help out with our youth a lot. They're called Base Camp. I get to help out with Club 58. That's our fifth through eighth graders, and uh, the Lord has been stirring in my heart as I work with them. I've been back in that realm for a little while now, and... Um, He's been speaking to us as a church about family, about his family, about kingdom family. And he's been talking, if you hadn't gotten to hear the last four or five-ish weeks, we've kind of been following this theme of the Lord calling us into this place of raising up mothers and fathers and um, raising up his sons and daughters in the kingdom so that this is, I feel like, the Lord's heart so that there is a structure, a wineskin, if you would, for his spirit to be poured out in this house, and then that we could be, as his family, able to host that presence of the Lord and carry it with us as we go out into the world, right? There is something so attractive about family. There is something amazing, and it's meant to be attractive to us. It's what lo the Lord created in the beginning, in the garden. He created man and woman, put them together, and said, hey, be, be fruitful, multiply, cover the earth, right? And so, like, have kids, grow them up, and not just your own kids, father and mother, other kids, right? Come on, guys. Wake up. <laughs> All right, so this is my heart, and this is what I feel like the Lord's um, saying, and we're going to have um, a little more interactive service. It's very exciting. I'm looking to my, my other kids that sit typically to this side. I'm getting them ready. What's that? You're, oh, hey, Jeremy's right there. He's waving to me. I like it. Okay, so here's a question that the Lord posed to me. Uh, those of you that were in the prayer room or with us on Wednesday night, um, heard this, and the Lord asked me a while back, I feel like it's been about a year and a half or two years ago, the Lord said, what does it look like to raise a generation? And that just hit me in the heart, and I just felt like I don't know the answer to that question. But I think it's the, the, the Lord's heart, and it's something that he's putting to us as his body. What does it look like to raise a generation? 
This morning, I want to encourage us as a family to rise up as mothers and fathers and to go low and get humble and be sons and daughters. I feel like this is what God is actively stirring inside of our hearts. And there's both positions, and we're actually supposed to play both and. There's not just mothers and fathers. There's not just those that are sons and daughters. It's multi-generational, and we see it happening back and forth all down the line. So just put your heart in that position of, yes, you're called to lead, and you're also called to be led, right? Okay, we're all called to be led. There is God the Father. He is the Father. We are all called sons and daughters no matter where we are, whatever stage we are in life, right? Okay, good. All right, you're getting better. We're doing good. Okay. Here's the problem I feel like is what the Lord's saying. And the problem is, if you've been watching and you've been paying attention... Things are getting crazy. Anybody feel like things are crazy? Things are crazy, right? And here's what I feel like the Lord has said. He said the church has abdicated its role in the world. Abdicate means you take the authority you've been given and you give it to the next or give it to another. And I feel like the church, we as the body of Christ, has actually abdicated our authority in especially this nation, and said, here, I'm going to hand this off because I really don't feel either ready or that I have time or capable or it doesn't seem important. And let me just give you a couple illustrations why I, like, will think this through, and you can check, like, maybe I do agree, maybe you don't agree. You don't have to agree with me, okay? You can agree with this, right? Like, we can all say, this is truth, and I might get it wrong. But let's just talk this through for a minute. Okay. So let's think about this. In government, we've given the government the ability to to make the laws, right, and to teach the laws, to establish ethics, what's right and wrong, right? We've said, okay, government, you get to decide that, yes, murder's bad, this is okay, those things are wrong, this is okay, and we've had law enforcement to enforce the law. But the word says this is the truth, and he establishes what's right and wrong, right? But if, if we say the government has, has taken that authority, we're going to let them teach right and wrong, then we've abdicated this in favor of the government, right? Okay. So in our schools, we've given the schools the authority to teach our kids what's right and wrong. So the school now has the authority to enforce these teachings uh, for example, in arts and media and science and medicine, science and medicine, they, they can establish the value of life, right? Science establishes what is true and what's not true, and then we give the schools and say, hey, schools, teach what science says is true. We don't say, teach what the word says is true, right? So we've given that one up. Okay. In business, does God talk about finances? Okay, God talks about finances. He talks about it a lot, actually. It's a big deal to the Lord, money, because it's, I, I feel, in my own opinion, that money is one of the number one idols in the United States. And so if we say that we're going to let finances and the business realm teach us what's important and how to value our money, then we're getting off, we're getting off kilter. It's becoming our truth, and this is not our truth about our finances. The Lord says, give, and it'll be given to you. The world says, take all that you can get, right? So there's truths that we've given up. There's these places of authority that we've abdicated to the world system, okay? All right. Uh, The last two I feel like that we've really given up, and and some people would call these the seven mountains of of, um, authority. I I don't know. I, I look at coaches. I feel like coaches are starting to take a huge role in our in our society, and they're actually stepping into the role of parenting our children because they're the ones that have access to our kids, and we're kind of like, well, I don't have time, but go play some sports, and I hope they teach you some good lessons, you know? What's fair, what's not fair, how to play nice, maybe not how to play nice, how to cheat, maybe, right? Is that true? Oh, guys, growing up, I played tennis, and there was was this whole famous tennis academy, you guys would know it, if I said it, well, probably. But they would teach, the students would live on campus, and they would teach them how to cheat. They would teach them how to cheat and how to get away with things so that they would win, and then their students would look better, and then their academy would get more money and more kids, right? It was how you taught them. And they lived there. They didn't have other parents. They lived on the base. It's happening. That was years ago, you guys. I'm not that young anymore. 
Okay, here, and here's another thing I think we've abdicated. We've abdicated the role of teaching faith to our children, to the church. I know that feels yucky, but like, you know what? We as moms and dads, we have a responsibility, whether we're a single mom or a single dad or a co-parenting family, we have a role to teach our kids about faith. We can't say, well, here, go to church and learn all about God. Like, who has more influence in your kids' lives than you? Nobody. They look to you no matter who else is a role that they see on the TV or in their schools or anywhere else. You have the most influence, right? I have the most influence over my kids, right? My husband has the most input into their lives, right? So we need to be taking them to this word and teaching them this. Okay, I'm preaching. I'm, keep, I'm keeping on track because I have something important that's got to happen, okay? Right? Okay. All right. Anyway, I said the result of our abdication, our relinquishing our authority to raise up the next generation, is being clearly displayed in our nation today. That's what's happening. That's what we're seeing. But we're going to be encouraged. We have a call to reset the culture and understand the ways that the Lord has wanted to establish his family on the earth. I was asking the Lord about the, the answer to his question of how do we raise a generation that loves the Lord. That loves the Lord. And I, the Lord took me to Paul. And we have a quick slide. And um, guys, we're going to move quickly because I feel like the really most important thing is not so much me speaking, but there's some others that I'm going to ask to share. And so I'm going to ask you to hang tight. And if you have a piece of paper, I would like you to write down these two scriptures that I feel like are of key importance. If you get nothing else from this morning, I'm going to point you back to the word and ask you to read two things. I would love for you to read all of Psalm 78. It's the beginning I read to you. It goes through some things the Lord wants to remind us on how to raise a generation. And at the end, he brings it back to David, who he calls to be a father to raise up many generations behind him. David exemplifies Jesus in the Old Testament. So just write that one down. Before I move on, I want to read, and this is the one I want you to write down, Judges 2. 7 through 15. I'm going to read it quickly because I want you to hear what it looks like for a generation to not be raised up in the Lord. So I'm going to do Judges 2, verse 7, and then I'm going to skip down to 10. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen all the great things the Lord has done for Israel. Note that. They had seen what the Lord had done. Dropping down to 10. After that generation died, dead in the sand, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So did they or did they not remember? They did not remember. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. Okay, I think money right there. They abandoned the Lord the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt, and they went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them. Society. Okay? And they angered the Lord. I don't want to be in that place. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashereth. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to the raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist them. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress. That is some seriousness. That is what happens when a generation forgets about what the Lord has done and doesn't know his promises, doesn't know his faithfulness and the way that he provides and the way that he brings truth. This is what the Lord does for our generations. If we want the Lord to move in this nation, in the coming generations, we have a role to play. We have to rise up as mothers and fathers. We have to go low as sons and daughters and say yes to the Lord, teaching and, and bringing us up in his ways. Okay? All right. All right. Let me take a drink. All right, so those are the two verses I'd like you to write down. If you didn't get to read them or if I read too fast, I know that I tend to do that up here. Read them again, okay? 
So I was asking the Lord about the answer to that question. What does it look like to raise a generation? And the Lord took me to Paul. I love Paul. I'm liking Paul more and more. He's in jail a lot, which I don't like necessarily, but I do like Paul. And I'm feeling like I have an affinity, like an affection for him now that I may not have had before. I'm growing. Maybe I'm a daughter to Paul. Anyway, if we have this slide, Galatians 4, 9, I want you to hear his language. The thing I love about Paul and that the Lord is showing to me, Paul has letters, right? Can we agree like he wrote a bunch of letters in the New Testament, right? We call them books. They're letters that he wrote and we put them all together. Okay, so he wrote a bunch of letters and he's making a lot of points like, hey, don't be sexually immoral. Hey, don't do this, do this, don't do that, right? But I want us to take like a big step back and I want us to see the how he writes. From what position is he writing? I feel like that's something we might miss sometimes, and I think it's a really important thing. So Galatians 4.19, I'm just showing you a little bit. It says, my children, ah, my dear children, for who, whom I am in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. That's a short verse. He's dear children. If he's saying children, who is he? He's their father, right? Okay. He's in the pains of childbirth. That is not a minor statement, right, women? Okay, thank you, ladies. <laughs> Join with me today and say that is not a simple position to be in. Why is he in the pains of childbirth? It's until Christ is formed in you. This is his whole goal. He is in chains in prison so that Christ can be formed in his children. Do you see that? That's amazing. Paul, as a daddy to his children, is telling them, I'm doing this for you so that Jesus is living in you and you look like him. Okay? Listen to his language again. This is 1 Corinthians 4. 14 through, or 15 through 16, I, I snipped out the details so that you can hear the, the overarching theme. I'm writing this, this is Paul, to warn you as dear children, because you have many teachers, but you do not have many fathers, therefore imitate me. Do you see this father role he's playing? He's saying, imitate me. So I am sending you Timothy so that you can imitate me. I'm taking my very own, his spiritual son, Timothy, and he's saying, I'm going to give him to you, Corinth. You get him, church. So I'm sending you him. He's my son, and he's going to remind you, physically present with you, of how he lived, how Paul lived. As Paul was chasing Christ, Timothy was chasing Paul, and he's saying, I'm going to give you this as a gift. Do you see? It's so cool. You guys, as Mike and I were talking through it yesterday, we were talking through it, and it's just a beautiful example of the Lord using generational um, of themes. And so he's God the Father, right? Can we agree he's God the Father? Okay. All right. He's God the Father, and he sent his son Jesus to the world, right? Okay. And then Paul steps in and becomes a son under Jesus, right? So God the Father, Jesus the Son, and then Jesus becomes the Father, right? And he is saying, follow Jesus. And then Paul's saying, I'm following Jesus. And then he's got Timothy. He says, Timothy, I'm going to raise you up as my son. And so he raises Timothy up. And then he goes, Timothy, I'm going to send you into Corinth as a father. They need a father, Corinth does. They need him there. They need him present and active and participating. And so he gives them Timothy. And he says, Corinth, here you go. I'm going to have you raised up to look like Jesus with Timothy as your father. Does that make sense? It's super cool. That's five generations if you count it out. That's what's going on. It's the generations are being raised up. And Corinth, I mean, that church, right? It went out. So just hear the language. I love it. I think it's amazing. All right. Keep going, Christy. Tell me. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Don't get stopped. Okay, because I'm looking. Okay. Mm. Um, there's a warning the Lord put in my heart, and one of the things I think that we need to be aware of is that we cannot get so self-focused about our own lives. I wrote it this way. We cannot be so self-focused that we forget our lives as believers, our models for the coming generations. 
There is a weightiness to our role and our choices. Let me just say it this way. May we live as believers realizing that we are constantly leading people somewhere. Even if we're not believers, we are leading people somewhere. I don't care how old you are. Every choice you make is an example, and somebody's watching you. Unless you're alone on an island and no one else is there, you're leading somebody. Everything you do, the things you wear, the things you say, how you listen, how you watch, the decisions we make, what we eat and drink, right? Has anybody, okay, quick, okay, comic relief. I am a young mom, and cell phones are like, just becoming the thing. Okay, I'm dating myself. And we have a two-year-old daughter, and um, I didn't know that I had certain habits. And I was walking around doing some things in the, in the house, blah, blah, blah. And here comes Caitlin, and she's going like this, uh-huh, uh-uh, yeah, uh-huh, okay, okay. What, what is going on there, right? What is that? Is that what I look like? Yes, uh-huh, uh-uh, yeah. Uh-huh, like stirring or whatever, cooking dinner, right? But you guys, everything we do, who has little kids right now or grandkids, right? And you know every single thing you do. Somehow you're like, dude, do I look like that? Do I say those words? I don't say that. That didn't come from my mouth. Where's daddy? Where, who's, who you been? <laughs> we try to pass it off. Adam did it. He made me. Uh, that's Adam and Eve. I'm just referring to uh, okay, because, you know, they always say, you made me do it. All right, so, um, all right. I just want to point out a couple things in that verse we just read, which I know it might already be gone from your brain. But listen, he has a call to a correction, a warning. He has an instruction to follow his lifestyle. He gives of himself. He gives them Timothy. He's his, Timothy's his aid while he's in prison. That's not a small give, right? Okay. And he reminds them to teach them and to father them. This is what Timothy's going to do these things. So I just want you to hear that. There's a beautiful psalm of David. I'm going to read this really quick. I think we have a slide for Psalm 71. It's two verses. Psalm 71, 17 and 18. Since my youth, O God, you've taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. He is not just saying to my own children. He's saying to the next generation. That's our job. May that be the longing of our heart, right? If you don't have that longing, we can ask the Lord to create that longing in us. Lord, give me a heart for the next generations. Let me just say, it, we have to watch our words. If we are scolding and putting down the coming generations, oh my gosh, they just don't work. Oh my gosh, they have no willpower. Oh, they never show up for jobs and blah, 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 blah. Let's not be those people. Let's not be those people. We don't want to speak over them what the Lord's not saying about them. As he's not saying that about them. All right? I'm almost done. Uh, while I do this, while I'm finishing, I'm scooting this table back. Um, I'm going to ask our former interns. You know who you are if you're here. Interns. Ooh, this table. And there's a hole. Okay, it's not just me. There is a hole in the stage, okay? I'm avoiding it right now. Sort of. This is fun, huh? It's like entertainment right here. Okay. All right. Uh, do I have to ask you like eight times? Okay, come on up here. Come on, uh, and then base camp, the rest of you, come on up. That's all y'all. Come on right here. I'm going to have you come right here with me. Oh, y'all. Who's from Texas? All y'all? Anybody from Texas? I can see you better down here. Woohoo! All right, uh, uh, this is not all base camp. So base camp is about 70 strong, and they don't all make it on Sundays. And then fifth through eighth, where is my fifth through eighth? Come on, just come up here, wherever. Yeah, you can just... Oh, this is cozy. I like this. <laughs> I feel better when it's not just... There we go. Come on up. Jaden, come right here. Come sit right here. What? So the fun thing about youth is that they like to hang out and interact 
a lot, right? Look at you guys, you're amazing. Oh, wait, you know what, I need to sneak back. Stay right there, you're not going anywhere. All right, let me just grab this. Okay, so as I'm making this last point, maybe I should go down here. Is that, is that better? So you can all be seen? Okay. Uh, there's a couple things I want to I wanna just finish with, and then y'all are going to help me finish, right? Right. Yeah. I, I got one right there. One said yes. I just, for your, for so you know, okay? Is there anybody, I'm just going to take a quick look if any of y'all are hiding out here. But, oh, come on. I saw you guys drop down. Come on. What? Do we need to cheer you to the stage? Woo! Come on. Anybody else? Oh, there we are, Yosef, let's go. Well, who else? It's even more fun if I get to call you out. Woo! We love you. Just sit right here next to me. I only bite sometimes. Uh, I'm teasing. That's a joke. Is there anybody else? Parents, are any of your students hiding that they need to be up here? Yeah? Where's Hayden? Oh, come on, Hayden. Bring Jack down to, mom, to dad, and then, or you can just have Jack up here. Is Kaylee out there with you? Where's Kaylee? Oh, there she is. Okay. All right. There. Good job. Thank you. All right. Uh, really quick. So if you're wondering about, like, okay, I'm not a great parent. I don't really know how to father or son. There is a really quick example, and there's a really short, short letter. I'm not going to read it. Um, it's called Philemon. Some people say Philemon. I don't know. While we were fasting, Marcus said Philemon. I'm like, really? Is that necessary? <laughs> okay, thank you. Wherever he went, uh, he's hiding too. Marcus, betrayal. Anyway, it gives a beautiful example. The summation of that letter is that there is an, a non-believer who was a slave to a believer. He wronged him. They believe he stole something from Philemon. This thief was named Onesimus. Onesimus, if you steal and you are caught, you run. He ran. So thiefing, stealing, was punishable by death under Roman law. So he was um, running for his life, literally. And Paul met him while he was in prison, and he came to know the Lord through Paul in that season. And Paul said, okay, welcome to the family, right? Do, so picture yourself in any part of the story. If you've ever done something wrong, have we all? Yes, we've all done something wrong. And then we, it might be punishable by death. And then we don't know the Lord. And then someone says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. And we tell them about Jesus, and they're welcomed into a family, right? And so the beautiful part of the story is Paul says, here, I'm going to father you. And so he fathers this thief, Onesimus, and then he says, you know what? Ultimate redemption. I'm going to send you back to, your, to who was your slave owner, but now your brother in Christ, Philemon, and he's going to welcome you back into the family. And this is what the story is all about. So I encourage you to take a quick look, if you can, at that. It's a one page. It's like this long in your Bible, I promise. And, and you guys, too, if you want. You should. Um, so that's what I felt like the Lord wanted just to show his heart for fathering and what it looks like to bring a non-believer in and bring him into family and raise them up. Does that make sense? Okay. That's where we're going to stop for right now. What I want to do and why all of the, these amazing students are up here and former students, whoops, I did the wrong thing. There we go. Is this, can you turn the handheld on? There we go. Um, I want them, as we're talking about fathering and mothering, I know that it can sound daunting. We did this as a base camp group on Wednesday night. Some of them were there, some of them weren't there. So listen to me carefully, my amazing students. I'm going to go up here so I can look at you. So what we're doing, if you weren't here on Wednesday, you're fine, is that we, I'm going to invite you, and I would like you to share something. I don't need that. Um, sorry. <laughs> Um, share a time, something quick, and we're, we have a few minutes, but not forever, so it needs to be a snippet of when someone spoke into your life, and I would prefer it's not your own mom or dad, and they spoke into it, and they called you up into something they saw inside of you and said, 
this is what you should do, or this is what I see about you. And I want you guys to hear this as how simple it is to start walking as a father or mother to a generation that needs to hear from you, okay? All right, so I, put, I know Jaden was going to share. Because sure. he's, he's sort of, he's, um, he's amazing. Here. You can stay seated or you can stand. It doesn't matter to I me. think I'm going to stand. Okay. It seems a little odd to sit, especially for some of them back here. Um, it'll be harder for them to share sitting and hiding. Um, so I've been blessed to have many spiritual mothers and fathers in my lifetime um, being heavily involved in the church. Um, so I'm not going to go into all those. But I just want to quickly say all of them imitated what Jesus did, does and did with his disciples. Um, they walked with me, they spoke life into me, uh, they corrected me when I needed correction, uh, they told me there's a better way when I needed to find that better way, um, and so that's really what I wanted to share, is each one of them in some way imitated what Jesus did with his disciples, um, and the most important of that being walking with me when I needed somebody to walk with, so. Good. All right. I'm looking, I know Sashi wants to, do you want to share? Or, yeah? Okay. Can I stay seated? You can stay seated, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so I have, uh, I'm one of the youth worship leaders. I've been a worship leader for, ooh, like, seven, eight years now. And um, when I, we first moved down into this church, I thought I knew how to worship. I thought I knew what I was doing. And then um, Sean, our wonderful youth worship pastor, um, just came in and just just completely showed me what it actually looks like to worship, what it truly means to be worshiping God with your heart and with the instruments that you can play, with your voice, just calling me out and then raising me up into that because as long as I had been doing worship for, I was still kind of like timid and shy and I was like standing this far away from the mic and... He was always like, you need to be on that microphone. I can't hear you. I can only turn your volume up so high. And now we're having to wipe my lipstick off of the microphone. <laughs> so I just um, am so, so thankful to Sean and Marcus and Luna, but um, specifically Sean for just um, raising that up in me and seeing the gift of worship and the call that God has placed on my life and then just raising that up and fathering me in that. So thank you. Awesome. Okay, I know there's more. All right, who wants to share? It can be something really simple. This is what we do on Wednesday nights. It's not all choreographed. Who are we? Hayden, are you ready? Did you raise your hand? They're saying you raised your hand. Sort of? Yeah, you can do it. Or else it'll be you. Um, so. Hold it really close. Uh, <laughs> one person in my life that's not a parent that kind of helped me through some struggles. Um, if any of you were here on a Wednesday night, you would know that I talked about this. Um, my school counselor, Miss C, she is blind. And she helps out with a lot of kids who are struggling. And I feel like that is, like, a lot. Like, she helps people through a lot of things. And I feel like that's really, really helpful to some people who don't know how to figure out some situations. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> I've got some dodging me. Oh, okay, Jaden, I'm coming down. I forgot to ask you guys to, to say your names. I apologize. I know them, but you all don't, so say your name. Okay, I'm going to hold it close for you. Um, my name is Jaden, and I have a spiritual grandma, and her name is Amory, and she's right there. And my mom over there says she's her spiritual mom. But getting to the point... Um, Amory taught me to be more into Christ and read my Bible more. And it, it, I just got more connected to God like when I met Amory. Amen. Yeah. 
Guys, we've got time. Who else wants to share? It can be short. It doesn't have to be major. We've got another one? Yes? Don, sir. Okay, you'll go next. All right. Just hold it really close. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, so oh, I have, tell I've your had... Name. Tell them your name. My name is uh, Hiram, and um, I've had many experiences and people help me through. Um, probably one of the biggest ones um, is my stepmom. Um, she helped me. She really guided me through all the tough times and also showed me God and Jesus in a very, like, emotional and also very good-feeling way. Um, I'm pretty sure she's somewhere in the crowd. Uh, I believe she's <laughs> over there. Her hand. She's, she's helped me so much, so much. She's also helped, like, ever, like, a lot of people in my family, especially my dad, my dad. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm Zach, uh, and I was struggling to think of somebody, but then I thought of the easiest person to think of, Andrew Nemeth. He, so I was in sixth grade when he uh, joined The Rock and started helping out with the youth, and he just instantly came in, and I was a you know, timid little sixth grader, so I didn't know what to do, and Andrew just kind of, throughout all of my high school years and my middle school years, he really showed me a lot of things and called me higher in a lot of areas because he's so mature. And it's weird because he's just like, you talk to him and you're like, I should be more responsible right now. <laughs> and he just kind of does that to you. So there's too many instances to think of one. But yeah, he's just, he's always been someone that like, I had to respect no matter what. I mean, his original name here was Father Andrew. So, you know, you got to go with that. Yeah. Good job. You do. Tell me your name. My name is Jeremy Vasquez. I went to church like a two, three years. And I discovered this church like no other. And your family. And my family. Yeah. I realized I just discovered the church like it's my imagination from the scenes from every movie and every TV show oh, that's so good so you feel like you're walking around in family like you'd see on a movie yes I'm discovering he's discovering good job thank you Jeremy All right, do we have others? Kaylee, do you want to share? Okay. Do you want to stand up since you're in the back? I'll help you. Here I go. Hi, my name is Kaylee. Um, some of my friends from Bridgeway are here right now, and they've actually helped me a lot when I was at Bridgeway because it felt like I knew nobody when I first got there. That's good. And so Kaylee has done a great job of welcoming others and um, being warm. And she's actually really growing and she's being led by so many of these students. I have to brag on our other older girls, right, who come in and give her a big hug. And this is what youth is doing. We call ourselves the Base Camp family. And uh, each of them has done an amazing job of wrapping others into their own life. Do you guys remember middle school and high school? It's awkward, right? Oh, it's hard. But I, I'm so proud of them because they really do a great job. Like Kaylee's saying that um, they welcome each other in and despite differences in different sports or different likes, it doesn't matter. We're family and um, each one of these, and I have some amazing leaders that come in and they just, and a lot of you guys help too. That's not just these um, that just pour out what it looks like to father and mother, even though they might be 18, 12, 13, I don't know. We have all different ages, but they're constantly pouring out into each other, and they're stepping up, and I keep telling them, we're going to teach you to lead now. 
There is no reason to wait to think that they cannot begin to lead. And I want to say there is some kind of weight and ownership that we need to take that says we are called to lead right now, right here. We are not waiting for them to grow up and then teaching them what it's like to lead. This is what it looks like to raise a generation. We raise them in the house of the Lord. We teach them in his ways. We reveal who he is in a very real way. They say, Jesus is real, and he wants to meet you right here, right now. And they take that, and nothing compares to what it looks like to have an experience with the Lord, right? There's nothing that's get, that, that gets you more excited, that gets you more motivated than experiencing the goodness of God in your very own life and walking you through depression and suicide. These guys are fighting something we didn't fight. So we need to come around them and behind them and, be, and pushing them from behind and pulling them from the front with our love, with our love in our hearts and saying, we've got you. Let us carry you through this very hard thing. Okay? That's what we're going to do. And so, I want to finish with this verse. And this is Paul. You're fine. I'm going to just stand back up because I can't see everybody. Uh, this is Paul as he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. Is that right? The Thessalonians. Okay? All right. So, he's, and I, we may have a slide on this. I'm not sure. This is 1 Thessalonians 5. Sorry, yes, that one. <laughs> you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us. Church, this is us. We need to be able to say this. And of the Lord. And so you became a model to all the believers. This is how proud Paul is. He is so proud of this church. He said, you became a model to all believers for you... For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Do you hear the family language? Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. This is what we're meant to do. Encourage, comfort, and urge that they would live according to what God has called them to. The plan and purposes he has over their lives is how we raise a generation and we speak it back to them. This is what the Lord has called you for. This is what he's purposed you for. Let us be the ones to champion you towards the Lord. Okay? All right, I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to pray. If you'll outstretch your hands. Did you have something you want to share? Oh, we're going to do an offering too. Hey, you guys are, are the offering today. You're here on stage. Lord, <laughs> thank you for these students. Uh, I just want to, as we pray, did you want to do this first or you want me to close? Okay. I just feel like um, we were meant to co commit to these youth and they represent many, many more. Let me just say, there are many. You just look at the meadows. Only it's such a tiny little space. And we have crowded high schools. We have crowded middle schools. We have overflowing elementary schools. The opportunity is ripe. The investment is, is, is something simple. It can be a simple thing. One of the students shared on Wednesday night, they, they, they just shared that someone taught me how to ice skate when I was at an ice skating rink. I didn't even know the person. It was just a dad, taught me how to ice skate, didn't see him again, saw him years and years later. And he just remembers that one thing that moment of fathering him. It's amazing. It's not a lot. It doesn't have to be everything of your life. It's an invitation. So I just ask, church, that we would be those that say yes to raising up the next generations. Wherever you are, whatever stage it is, it doesn't just have to be students like this. It's people right next to you. We're all in different stages. I feel like the Paul, when he wrote, I felt like this was his phrasing that the Lord showed me. It said, I, Paul, I am your brother in Christ. I am your father in the faith. Do you hear the honor in calling them brother? There is a love if I call them my brother, my sister. But then I'm ahead of them as I'm saying, let me help you as I father you or mother you in the faith. There is just those two beautiful dynamics.
can we just say these three things that Paul wrote? If you can put that slide back up, First uh, Thessalonians 1. Can we just say, we will encourage, comfort, and urge you to live lives worthy of God? Can we say that out loud as a declaration? Just that one phrase? Will we do that? Okay. On three, let's say, we'll say it like this. I'm prepping you, I'm teaching you, I'm mothering you and saying this really quick. We will say, we will encourage, comfort, and urge you to live lives worthy of God. Okay? On three, ready? One, two, three. We will encourage and comfort and urge you to live lives worthy of God. Okay? Yes. I'm so excited. I could keep going, but we're going to stop. Okay, go. So I hope this hits home. You see, you see our youth up here. This is a snapshot of our, our next generation. If we think that, that we can do this alone, uh, we're going we're gonna to miss it. And the next generation that gets raised up, uh, we're not going to leave them in a very good spot. It's going to require that we come alongside them. Just, let me just say one, one more thing here. And we were going to share this last week, but I want just hear these words. I feel like this is, a lot of times we think that it's all about us and our generation right now. Um, there's a quick story. Uh, Samuel Adams, if you know who he is, he was the second president of the United States. And, uh, and he was, I'm John sorry, John, John Adams. Good thing you guys know your history better than I do. <laughs> we also know our beer, apparently. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're raising them up anyway. <laughs> There's two Adams you can this follow. Follow moment. John. <laughs> like the Bible. John. <laughs> John Adams. <laughs> Second president of the United States. <laughs> wow. Okay. Refocus. Here we go. So John Adams, he had a he had a heart um, against slavery. He was he was one of the he was one that did not believe that slavery was okay, and uh, and he didn't have he didn't have a slave. And he was of the presidents of the first few presidents. He was the only president that didn't have a slave, um, and uh, and he raised up a son, and uh, and it was his he was his biological son. There was also another man, um, Samuel Cooper. That's where the Samuel came from, not the beer. <laughs> Samuel Cooper was a, a revivalist in Boston and, uh, and became a spiritual father to the son of John Adams, and his name was John Quincy Adams. And John Quincy Adams became the sixth president of the United States. And this was a man that spoke out vocally uh, fighting against slavery. And had a massive impact. But at that point, still 80% of Congress was still for slavery. But he was one that was relentless. He, he fought and he fought and he fought and he fought. He didn't win the battle. And this is the point I want you to see here. You have John Adams, second president, didn't win the battle. John Quincy Adams, sixth president, didn't win the battle. But John Quincy Adams, after he became president, he stayed in Congress for a number of years. And uh, really just... Uh, he, he saw a young man that, that he felt like had his heart, and he came alongside him, and he raised him up as a spiritual father. He raised up a spiritual son. That man was Abe Lincoln. Became the 16th president of the United States, and he was the one that took down slavery. It took three generations and, I, and I, the point I want to make here is that it is not just about us living our lives for ourselves, but for the next generation. Yeah. If we don't do it now, we're going to lose a generation and we're going to lose the things we've been fighting for. 
We may, we may kind of hold off for a period of time, but it's not just about us. And I want to encourage you, come alongside the younger generation. You don't have to be cool to come alongside these, these amazing people. All you have to do is be real and love them. Yeah. So this is just a, a challenge, I believe, for us in this time, that we would speak. And here's the thing. We have to be imitators of Christ. <laughs> We're going to have to clean up our act a little bit as well. I think it, what it helps us do is when we know that people are watching us, we're going to act a little better. <laughs> we're going to handle ourselves and we're going to make better decisions because it's not just about us. We're actually raising up the next generation. We're teaching them the ways of God, which means that we need to walk in the ways of God. We need to know the word. We need to get in the word, not just for ourselves, but for the next generation. If not for yourself, do it for them. Get in the word so that you can raise up a generation. So I just, I just want to pray into this and then we'll just... Let me say. Oh, go. Okay, yeah. before we pray into it. Um, I, the, as I was getting ready this morning, the Lord, even as we, I was saying, it feels so harsh, Lord, that, that the church has abdicated its authority. And the Lord said, I didn't abdicate my position as a father of creation. He has not abdicated his role on this earth. He is still in authority. He is still on the throne. So let us remember that though we as followers may have let go of some of this, he is still where he was always. He is still God the Father. Jesus is still his son. And they are still reigning and ruling. And that's what we go after. So put your hand on your heart. And just as I say this, just say it with me. Lord, would you give me a heart? For the next generation. Would you give me a heart like your heart? It's not about just me. It's about my children. It's about my children's children. So give me your heart. Let me be led by you in this season. Let me be a mother and a father. Or a father. <laughs> mother or a father. You can't be both. <laughs> <laughs> and let me be humble in this time. Yes, let me be humble. As a son or as a daughter. As a son or a daughter. Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us, first of all, how to become sons and daughters. That, that we are adopted into this kingdom, into this family. And as we are adopted, Lord, I thank you now we come alongside and we bring others into the family. We raise up the next generation. Lord, I thank you that you are giving us a new understanding and a new heart, Lord, to understand and to walk in your ways. And part of your ways, part of your heart is raising a generation. Lord, teach us how to raise up the next generation. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Yeah, give, these, give this uh, next generation a hand, will you? Yes. We love you guys, and we're for you.